Welcome back to The Bag Drop, Untold Stories in Golf. I'm your host and co-founder of New Club Golf Society, Matt Considine. Today, we have a very special edition of The Bag Drop with a very special guest. Joining us on the show is the 120th captain of the new golf club of St. Andrews, Captain Ronnie Dinney, joins us from the home of golf. If you're a regular listener to the podcast or an active member of New Club, you will know that the new golf club of St. Andrews and its other counterparts in the UK and Ireland were an inspiration for both myself and our own golf society here at New Club. Today, it is an honor to have Ronnie on the show. It's also very fitting, as this week in both our first two chapters, Atlanta and Chicago, we have appointed our very first captains of the club. A congrats is in order for Mr. Thomas McCartney here in Chicago and Mr. Scott Ford down in Atlanta, who both recently accepted their nominations as captains and will represent the membership for the next 12 months. Congrats, gentlemen. Today's podcast with Ronnie would not be possible without our friends from NV5 Invitational. And with our golf season coming back, so is pro golf here in Chicago. The path to the PGA Tour runs through Glenview this May when the NV5 Invitational, presented by Old National Bank, returns to the Glen Club on May 26th through 29th. Make the most of this Memorial Day weekend by watching the next wave of PGA Tour stars compete in the Chicago area's only annual professional golf event. General admission is complimentary courtesy of a partnership with Surf Pro of Glenview. I cannot recommend this one enough for us golf nuts. It's such a treat to just see these guys up close and personal. Uh, I also recommend checking out their upgraded experience options like the Hangar, which is presented by Corona Premier. It's a premium venue with food and drink included in your ticket. Uh, we always hang out there and it's an absolute blast. Proceeds from the NV5 Invitational this year, or every year, help Evan Scholars Foundation send young youth caddies to college. All three winners of the event are now playing on the PGA Tour in 2022. So come on out, check out the up-and-comers and visit nv5invitational.com to secure your chance to find out who's next. Ronnie Denny, welcome to the bag drop. Thank you very much, Matt. I'm very happy to join you here today. I am uh, darn near giddy to be with you here today, and uh, your view is a heck of a lot better than mine. Yeah, um, I'm sitting on the, in the restaurant of the new golf club in St. Andrews. We have a view over the 18th fairway, the first tee, and maybe over my shoulder you can see the Arnie building. And I don't know, Matt, do you want me to maybe scan and let the viewers see where we are today? Why not? Right off the hop. If, if okay. you're listening, I'll describe it to you, but everyone that's viewing, oh yeah, there it so, is. As I say that, that's us looking at the Arne building, uh, and if we go around there, you're, you're looking at the Hamilton Grand, and then over my shoulder, you are right out onto the beach at St. Andrews, and I can confirm that this is actually the weather today. We've, we've arranged it specially. Matt had put in a request for me to make sure it was going to be good. <laughs> and there you see the road on the 18th, which is Granny Clark's Wind. And there's a bit of history to that. And if and when you come to St Andrews and your ball lands in that, you need to play it as it lies. So remember that. I, I did not realize that, that there's no free drop from uh, no. the path. Oh, wow. 
No, so I'll put this back. Uh, no, there's there's no there's no free drop, and you play as it lies on Granny Clark's wind, and you play as it lies on the road behind the seventeenth green. So that uh, any other internal pass now that have been tarmacked, you can take relief. But these these two areas is uh, it's kept historic uh, tradition of play as it lies. It has the lies as uh, as it should be. Now yeah. between those two holes, Ronnie, how many uh, how many birdies do you have between the pair on one and eighteen? On one and one, I've, I've I've got a few birdies. On eighteen, I've got some birdies, and on seventeen, I have in my whole life here one birdie, and it felt like a hole in one. It was as good as that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that is uh, probably probably a few more others on seventeen than there are yeah. pars and birdies. Yeah, yeah. Uh, higher than par, let's say, would be probably the average. You know, it's if, having that view, Ronnie, on a regular basis. I uh, we'll we'll get to how influential that exact view was on me and my golfing life, and, and what I'm currently doing with our new club here in uh, Bayside, Chicago. But um, there's something so special about that corridor of those two holes and how it greets the town and finishes with the town. And um, there, there's just a, a feeling. I don't think I've ever been, I've played some pretty decent amateur events tournaments around the the country. Uh, I've yeah. never been as nervous as I was on the first hole playing a match that meant nothing to anybody, anybody but myself. Um, what do you think it, it truly is about that arena there that, uh, it makes it so special. I, I, I think, Mark, when I, I've, I've been a member of this club 15 years, I played the old course probably for the first time about 30 years ago. Uh, and, and that particular day, I played with a good friend and his two sons, and the hair stood in the back of my neck. And even today, if we're going out for a bounce match with some of the guys from the club if if that if standing in that first tee doesn't excite you you've not got a pulse i'll tell you that it's a uh, it's still very exciting it's still very nerve-wracking uh, you can go a bounce left you can go a bounce right it's just and it's 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 just it's just a tremendous feeling we had our winter meeting on saturday so that's the club has the whole of the old course for the day. So we have four meetings a year and we get the old course. So this was a winter meeting and because of light in the morning and light at night, we have about 140 competitors in that. But in the summer meeting, we can start at six in the morning and we can play until 10.30 at night. So we can get maybe 200 plus members. And it's the it's the biggest feeling as captain. I'm very honoured that I myself and the rest of the committee uh, introduced the players on the tee in that day. And it's a real, you can see guys who are, I would say, very competent golfers. Their knees are going a bit when it comes to getting that first ball away. Uh, so, but the, the excitement of standing in that first tee, thinking who's hit the ball off of there, thinking some of the great scenes that have happened on this course. Uh, it, it goes through your head every time. Now, a, a congratulations is in order. Uh, you recently started your term as the captain of the new golf club. Um, the, w- 
I, I want to get to the role of a captain. And, okay. you know, I think many of us in the States where uh, most of our listeners are, they, they might not be familiar with the term captain and what it, the yeah. roles and responsibilities are. So could you give us kind of a, uh, just a, a high level overview of, of um, uh, the position of a captain at a club? Yeah. So I, most most clubs in Scotland will be member member owned member driven clubs, and they are managed and run. High. If you t- if you took a, a board, if you took a company board, the captain would be chairman, and the committee members would be directors, and uh, the um, the employees. So the general manager, secretary, would be the chief executive officer. So that that would be the relationship uh, in terms of corporate governance. Uh, in terms of the role of the captain, that varies between many clubs. But a club like the New Golf Club uh, is 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 a very it's a very privileged role to have. It's a very privileged role to have in our 120th year and during the 150th Open, uh, and you. You're a leader in the club, so you are setting examples. You are creating standards. You're driving forward the good name of the club, both in golf and circles. But we have we see ourselves as having quite a big role in the local community, eh, and we take an active role in that in terms of just participating with other local groups and some local charities and things like that. Eh. As the captain, there are six clubs in town. So we have the RMA, who is the leaders in world golf. And then in the town, we have the new golf club, we've got, which is a, a, a gents-only club. St Andrew's Club, which is a gents-only club. We have St Regulus Ladies Club, which is as I say, ladies, and the St. Rule Club, which is a ladies' club with a golf section. And in amongst that, there is the Thistle Club, which is a, 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 a gents' club, and that's a mixture of new club members and St. Andrew's Club members and RNA members. And that was predominantly a club for townspeople who had businesses and shops and their competitions normally play on a Thursday afternoon. So as a captain, you are steering the ship uh, without using too many analogies, but you're steering the ship and uh, you are really promoting the club both locally, nationally. And for me, I see a big role in promoting our club international. We've got nearly 500 international members and uh, I like connecting with them uh, because they don't get here often, but when they do get here, we want to make sure they have a nice experience and they feel the fellowship and friendship that I think that's what the new club's all about. That That's what always set with me um, about the, the club model, particularly in St. Andrews with those, uh, is it six total clubs in St. Andrews? Six, yeah. Six, yeah. yeah. It, that they all were, were so friendly and about community and then they shared the links and and obviously that's one of the big distinctions for um, the clubs in St. Andrews versus many of our clubs here is we don't share the same golf course. You're usually a member of, of a club that 
uh, has its golf course and, and the next club has their golf course, but the, the ability to play the six or seven courses through the links trust, I, I just thought that was such a, a, a beautiful orchestration, if you will, of how you guys manage your medals and, and <clears throat> contests. And I mean, that's so much coordination that must go yeah. into it. And, uh, the, the captain, it seems to be a, a critical role in that, in that ecosystem. Yeah, with with it, within that ecosystem, as you describe it, Matt, there is there's a, a group called the ICLC, the Interclubs Liaison Committee, and that that's chaired by the RMA, uh, and all of the clubs are represented. And generally speaking, on the ICLC, there is the captain, the vice captain, and the club secretary from each of the clubs, and a uh, we meet six times a year and we have a set agenda and that committee is based on achieving goals and objectives by consensus. Uh, and I think that's important. And uh, everyone has their say. It's, it's very, it's very, I think it's very democratic. Uh, however, I, I think it serves a purpose that lets all the clubs feel part in the decision-making process here. So yeah. uh, that that is one mechanism where we all work together. We have our, the Lynx Trust have just appointed a new chief exec, uh, a chap called Neil Coulson, and uh, I've met with Neil a couple of times and I had the good fortune to meet with have dinner with him and his wife on Wednesday night and his wife comes from uh, America. She's a very good golfer as well, a uh, lovely lady. And Neil's picked, picked up this job. He started December, January and to be chief executive for the Lynx Trust is a, is, a, is a big task on the back of COVID on the back of not having the visitors that we enjoy here and managing uh, the links over the 150th Open because the 150th Open, or any time there's an open in St Andrews, it severely curtails golf for an extended period of time. Uh, in fact, last week, the truck started rolling in with a... And to start putting infrastructure in for July, uh, and that will continue. And as that continues, the playing access for a range of the courses just reduces, reduces until on, I think it's the 18th of June, uh, the old course closes for the Open Championship. Uh, and, it, and that's interesting. And we, the clubs were invited to a meeting with the Lynx Trust a green subcommittee and they ran through the sort of what is going to happen on the links where hospitality stands are going, how many stands there's going to be, uh, how many seats there's going to be and an innovation for this year's uh, championship on the links that they've used it. Uh, open championships across the UK as there's going to be sort of walk-on and walk-off areas and viewing points, uh, areas like the 7th tee and things like that. So it's the, the, the Open Championship from occasion it's here to occasion it's here evolves and develops and, and it's, re it's real interesting. 
that's uh, there's always a buzz in St. Yeah. Andrews. I, you can feel it as a golfer. Like you said, you, you don't have a pulse if you can't, but uh, I'd imagine on an open championship year when it, the, the open comes back to the home of golf, it's, it's especially buzzy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I mean, for, for, for us in the club, we've, we've been working on it now for the past year, our plans, uh, when, when you come over with some of your group in May, I think we'll see some significant changes in the club since the last time you were here. We've just uh, redecorated the main Peter Thompson suite that's got improved audiovisual, uh, massive improvement in the furnishings and access and views over the course. Uh, and and for us, we're, we're, we're really excited. We're... We have concerns. Uh, we put out a member survey, and you'll have taken part in that, Matt. We put out a member survey to see how many members we think we're going to have coming to the Open, and uh, we're, we're definitely going to be busy. Definitely <laughs> people, going to be busy. People uh, are ready to, to, to get back, to be out. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think for, for us, there's been so many of our international members not been here over the past two and a half, three years. And they are desperate to get back. So yeah, desperate to see them. I I, I was curious about that uh, the international membership because obviously you know it being a very special place uh, for me and and to be an honor, Ronnie has or to be a member was was a true honor. Uh, followed up immediately by the pandemic and and thwarting my plans to you know visit and be with you guys and um, you know stay stay at the club. Uh, but it's been. I, I didn't anticipate it, but it's been an honor just to support the club um, in yeah. those years because people don't realize how uh, there was a really abrupt shutdown for Scotland and um, there was no real revenue coming through for you guys and, and others. So uh, it, it truly was, it kind of felt meant to be that I got to get to know uh, yourself and, and uh, the former captain and other, other members virtually, of course, because I couldn't make the trip. But um, talk about those last two years and how as a as as a club, how uh, challenging it was and, and kind of, you know, how you guys, how, what a relief it must feel to, to be coming out of that. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think that I can't remember the specific date Wait, on the, on the 17th of March, uh, 2020, I was supposed to fly to Dubai with my wife and holiday. COVID was bubbling up. And I had a bad feeling in my gut and we decided we weren't going to go on holiday. Uh, three days later, the country shut down. Uh, we had to shut the club. We had to speak to the staff. And basically between, I don't know, Mar that date in March and June 20, the, the club was, the doors were closed. Uh, we had at that point in time, a workforce that we valued, uh, that the members valued and uh, past captain Graham Dalton and myself and the committee, we felt we had to look after our people. And we've done that through, we get very strong government support. Uh, we got something in this country called furlough, where the government gave us 80% of our workforce wages and we decided as a club, we would top that up to 100%. So as no one went without, uh, 
and and we've seen the benefit in that. Every, everyone's come back, and everyone. We we seen it as our duty to treat people the way we would have wanted treated ourselves, uh, and nobody to be disadvantaged, and it's and it's worked out good that way. So. Yeah. We, we shut and then we started opening, but there was restrictions about opening hours, about mask wearing, about how many people could sit at a table. Uh, as a club, we don't have any outside space. So for a long period, we weren't selling alcohol uh, and we became a big coffee shop sort of thing. But <laughs> people, people came and people felt safe. Uh, yeah. And to today, uh, when all the restrictions in Scotland are over, people still come to the club that weren't big club users before because it's been safe. Uh, thankfully, we've not had any major outbreaks or anything here. And and life's, life's just got on and on and, and we've adapted. So yeah. it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's been tough, but we've come out strong. We've appreciated everyone's support, particularly the international guys who kept sending their fees and we were having that debate. Do we suspend that? What do we do? And we think, and with, without being disrespectful, the fee is not mammoth. And I think it's good that all the members supported and the number of members who offered additional support if we needed it and and we never had to take any of that up but it shows you the strength of feeling of the membership of this club that uh, guys would have put their hands in their pocket with had to phone you know yeah yeah I, I think I I'll, I wanted to ask you about club culture because that was one thing uh, well we'll get to we'll get to it in a bit I wanted to uh ask on, on some of the traditions of a captain. Mm -hmm. um, I think you had a, a pretty substantial tradition occur this week, right? The uh, the dinner. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah. So uh, this week, uh, well, the tradition of a captain, every, every club has their own traditions for their captain. And traditions are made and evolve through what some of the captains want to do and what they don't want to do. And also a big part of this club as the past past captain society so you're in the limelight for a year and you're the captain and you're driving it forward but there's a body the past captains who are always available for advice for sounding board etc and uh, what well interestingly what I'll, I'll come to this week in a moment but one of the interesting traditions is that as captain I, I get invited to the past captain's dinner and these guys have all been through it and we have a nice dinner and we have nice drinks and then there's a Q&A session and some and and that that's that's good because it lets it lets these guys who have done this job before uh, know what's happening in the club but actually to uh, put you to hold you to account in terms of some of the things you've done, but what, one of the one of the nice things in St Andrews about uh, being a captain is every year the Arne hosts a captain's dinner, and I was very fortunate on Wednesday. Uh, I was at the captain's dinner in the Arne, and the captain in the Arne at this point in time is a gentleman called Peter Forster, and he's a local guy, and. Uh, 
He comes from a farming background and uh, my wife and I were fortunate enough to sit at the top table with him and his wife and the chief executive of the Lynx Trust and the chairman of the RNA uh, and the captain at uh, the St. Regulus Club. So it's quite a formal occasion. It's black tie. Uh, uh, the captain there and he wears his red hunting jacket and there's all sorts of speeches and stuff like that and it's it's a great night but so these these are these are some of the these are some of the nice things as as captain uh, we have various matches uh, as a club we are a very active golfing club so uh, we have in a year, 18 matches, and we play a range of clubs throughout Scotland. Uh, last Friday was the first match of the season, and we played St Andrews University, uh, and that's always a great, that's always a great match. I was I was playing against uh, a young uh, English guy, Oscar, and the wind was blowing, and you'll have played the Jubilee, Matt, and on the 16, the Jubilee, Oscar stands up gives it the full belt and he hits it 452 yards. He's get he's only got 53 yards to the green. And I'm I am i hitting it no bad at 250, 260 with the wind behind, feeling quite good. But it was great. And then we we come back here and we had some drinks and we had dinner and we had a nice evening. And the new club beat the university. So old heads beat the young guns. So that was good. And then uh, yesterday we had a match against the regular ladies and the ladies, they prevailed for two. Today we've got some sen senior matches and we've got 22 of them. So there's always activity in the club. There's always people visiting. Some of the notable places we play, uh, we go up to play Royal Aberdeen. We play Carnoustie home and away every year. Uh, we play North Berwick. We play Gullen, we play Glasgow Golf Club. Uh, trying to think some of that. So it, all of the sort of top clubs in Scotland, they love coming here and we like going there. And uh, on some of the away matches, we take a coach and we enjoy lunch and we enjoy the journey home. So, uh, so, it, so and for me as captain, I, I will play... My, I've got my diary commitments and I, I will play every one of these matches. And generally speaking, I'll have a different partner. We play f we play f a four ball and I'll have a different partner in each of these games with some of the guys from the club. And and that's something for me, it's important that people, everybody from the club gets a chance to come and play in a match, to go to a match and we all enjoy ourselves. Uh, that, that was... Um an eye-opener for me, my time in both Scotland and Ireland and the focus on matches and match play. Yeah. And I think it's, I think it's a sense, uh, something bigger than yourself because of so much of what we, what I grew up with, uh, what many of us grow up with in, in the States is stroke play and your own individual attainment of a number and breaking par or breaking 80 or breaking 90. And, uh, and it, as soon as I, I got over there, I just it, it kind of shook my soul in a way because I realized, wow, it, it really doesn't matter what my number is at the end of the day. It's it's just about the camaraderie, the spirit of the game, everyone understanding that we're there to enjoy ourselves. 
and hopefully win a point. And, yeah. and I just, I just truly, um, it moved me. It really did. And, and I just, I think it's a much more enjoyable version of the game. Yeah. I, I, I think you, you make lifelong friends. So last year we had a very, very good match against Gullen and I was playing against their vice captain and I got an email on Wednesday and he says, I'm going to be in St. Andrews. Are you going to be about? Uh, and I'm going to have lunch with him and we are playing there this year. So I'll have, I'll have, I'm meeting with him on Monday. We'll talk golf. We'll talk about the Open, and then we'll be down there. I think in June sometime. And you, you not not every man, but you, there's people you really connect with, and and that for me, that's that's very very important. Very important. Is last last captain question for you? I, I okay. uh, believe when you mentioned Mr. Forster, uh, Captain Forster, I. Um, I believe I saw his ceremonious tee shot with yeah. the cannon blasting off of one in front of the RNA. Is there any yeah. ceremonious tee shot for the new club? Do you, have you had to do that honor? No, I, no. Fortunately, I don't. But no, <laughs> fortunately, we don't. We don't have that tradition. That's a that's a very special tradition for the captain of the RNA who tees off at the first, and generally the caddies from the links. Uh, are trying to catch the ball, and if they catch the ball and return it to them, eh, they're paid eh, handsomely for that. So, no, we 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 don't we don't have that tradition in the new club. But yeah. many but many clubs do. I think many clubs who have their own course, they will drive. They call it driving in the captain, and the captain will drive off. But we that's not a tradition we do. Yeah. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the history of the new golf club. Since yeah. so, no ceremonious tee shots, but uh, this was also a part of my experience at the new club with the uh pictures on hanging on your guys' uh hallway walls. And um, there was no member who wasn't willing to tell me a little bit about the place. And mm -hmm. and I mean, 120 years, there's gonna be a good bit of history. So, I, I know that's we won't have all that time on, on this pod. I, I was just from your perspective, maybe how you you know, in, in the, the, what the history means to the club and, and how that's impacted what you do as a captain uh, and, and what the member experience is today. Okay. Uh, well, as you say, the club was formed in 1902. It was formed by nine gentlemen in the town who, the, there was the St. Andrews Club and without getting into any detail, people felt they wanted another club. So there was nine gentlemen, uh, and actually I've got a wee prop here, so I don't know if you can see this, but I got, let me see if I can get them all in. Well, look at those handsome gentlemen, yes. Right, so that that's a picture from our reading room wall that's beside our own Remember pictures, but these are the nine gentlemen, and they're called the promoters of the new golf club. Uh, promoters of the new and golf club. So they were the promoters of the new golf club. Uh, and that picture was taken in 1902 when they signed the papers to purchase this club. And I'll, I'll talk about some of these guys, uh, not in any great detail, but I'll give you a feel for, for who they were. So uh, we, had, we had a gentleman called uh, G. Fisher, and 
not surprisingly, he was a fish merchant, <laughs> which I find quite odd. Uh, and these names, these names come through St Andrews. It's, if it's not these guys, it's been their family members. And when you come to St Andrews, you'll you'll recognise names. So G Fisher was a fishmonger, but there's a very famous baker's in uh, St Andrews called Fisher and Donaldson. And I and I don't know the family link, but another one of the the promoters was a guy called C Donaldson, and he was an outfitter, but I don't know if the Fisher family and the Donaldson family got together and they created Fisher. I don't know. It's it's maybe a bit of folklore. We had a <laughs> Mr. A. Aikman, who was a grocer. And if you've been to university here, you'll have been to a bar called Aikman's. Uh, yes, and I have. It's just, <laughs> and it's just a name that continues through town. We had a Jai Smart, and he was, he was into banking. We had a Jai Piri, who he had a China business. He he sold China in the town. We had Mr. Stenhouse, and he was a banker, but he then became a grocer. So I don't know if there was, in these days, more money in grocering than bankering. Uh, we had uh, Mr. King, who was an assistant headmaster, and a guy, a singer, who was a golf ball maker. And when I read a wee bit about him, there was a ball made in the day called an Ortigo Singer. Uh, and that was seemingly quite a popular ball at the turn of the century. Uh, but the, these guys predominantly had businesses that were commercial guys and they wanted somewhere else to go. Now, uh, behind, behind that, you had Mr Tom Morris, uh, who... He was not a promoter of the club. He was a supporter of the club. He was a supporter of the formation. But I think within the town, he had businesses. He had a strong association with other clubs. But he was a he was a supporter, and in fact, he was our first on remember here in the club. So uh, I think he was worth. If 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 I'd been about in the day, he was maybe working behind the scenes helping things along with us. So so these guys were the nine promoters of the new golf club. And uh, when you come to the new golf club, when you look at it, the new golf club is basically three houses on the links that have been purchased over time. And for the princely sum of £1,300, so $2,000, they bought this building in 1902 and uh, I would if if you think on this on this property uh, further down the street that a one bedroom flat would go for one and a half million pounds now uh, you can see what sort of stock this this building has uh, they had a so, good vision they had a good yeah. vision so, they, so these guys had a good vision and these houses were knocked together in access and whatever. so uh, so that 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 was that was the starting point uh, and and there were traditions and rules set and actually the rules the original rules of the club uh, are very very similar to the rules that we still operate by uh, and when you look when we look back the whole the whole purpose the whole purpose of this club in terms of our rules. Rule one was the title of the club 
and that is the club shall be called the New Golf Club St Andrews and shall be a non-profit making body. And rule two of the club was the club is constituted for the promotion of the game of golf and for the friendly intercourse of all gentlemen interested therein. And that, and we go on. Now, there's, to this day, that this club operates on 31 rules. We have 31 wow. rules. But these two rules named the club and established what we were about. And and that that's never changed. The rules, the rules of golf have a few more rules than 31. Yeah. Just a, just yeah. a few. Yeah. That's uh oh that's wonderful. That's it's it's you know, test of time there. And and I know yeah. Semper Nova always knew, right? That's the yeah. um the moniker. So so that that that's that's a sort of potted history of the, the gents that promoted the club. It's a touching on the rules. And and I think one of the one of the big aspects of this club is and some golf clubs have many honorary members and whatever. That this golf club only ever has one honorary member at any point in time. So yeah. the the first honorary member was Mr. Tom Morris. Uh, and then we had in 2000, sorry, in 1938, with a gentleman called Sandy Heard, and he was a local golfer. And then in uh, 1959, uh, and a, and a had, major champion, wasn't Sandy? Yeah, he was a major champion, local golfer, major champion, uh, phenomenal. Uh, and then in 59, uh, Mr. R.T. Jones became our uh, on Remember. And we, we start hearing stories about these guys absolutely being proud of being on Remembers and coming into the club. And for them coming into the club, they were members, they had the privacy, and if they wanted to have a coffee, a beer, a whiskey, they would have that. Uh, and the members would respect that they were just in the same as if they a golfer having that. We then, in 1973, uh, had Mr. Arnold Palmer, and that was an absolute privilege to have Mr. Palmer as a run member. And he did enjoy the club. He he sat in the downstairs bar in the corner table looking out and he would read his paper. And, uh, and to be fair, he, he encouraged people to speak. You know, he, he was not standoffish, so he would sit and shoot the breeze with some of the guys, uh, some of the past captains. And, and any time he was in St Andrews, he thoroughly enjoyed coming here and he was made welcome, but he used it as his local club. Uh, and then when, and I, and I was fortunate to see Mr Palmer in here. Uh, and if you come into the club and you look in the back wall as you go onto the course, onto the links, he donated a, a phenomenal panoramic picture of the links with him, with a shot of him, and beside it, there's a letter. You'll have seen this. Uh, yeah. There's a letter that he'd written when he presented it to us. And it's a it's a beautiful thing. It really is. I, uh, uh, there's so many things I respect of Mr. Palmer, and one that goes unsaid is his his writing ability. 
Yeah. He was a fantastic writer. If you read his letters and, and he wasn't, you know, I, I've met some people that were fairly close to him and worked for him. And um, he, there wasn't someone he was having do those letters. You know, he, he might dictate to, to, especially as he was older, but he, he wrote majority of what you see out yeah. there in the world. And he was a beautiful writer. Yeah. Well, we've, we've put that letter up, but in, in our archives, we've got letters from Mr. Palmer and it's, it's all good stuff. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, when he passed the, the club, the club uh, had a vote and we invited Mr. Tom Watson uh, to be an unremember. And I think, Mr. Watson, these people carried out the due diligence that you would expect somebody to do to make sure it's something they wanted associated with. And he graciously accepted our uh, invitation to be on Remember. And that, that again, was a, was a wonderful thing. Uh, it was 2018. He was playing in the Seniors Championship here at St Andrews. And we had organised a dinner for the Friday night. Uh, and there was probably 35 of us going to have dinner with him and uh, Tom Watson said he would like to have dinner with the captain, the champion, the junior champion uh, at the top table because he was taking an interest in our junior section uh, and uh, he couldn't make the Friday night, the play was delayed uh, and he finished at 9.30 on the Friday night, and I think he was concerned, and we said, look, you're here to play golf and whatever, so we rearranged it for the Sunday night, and he finished playing, and on the Sunday night, we had, I, I was on the general committee at that point, uh, and the captain and the vice captain and the secretary were all, standing at the front door waiting to meet Mr. Watson at 6.30 and a member had come in the back door and uh, Mr. Watson came in the back door and walked into the barn we were sitting there and he says, is anybody going to get me a drink? And uh, <laughs> it was it was phenomenal. So he, he, was, he was very relaxed and it was a private dinner. There were no pictures, there were, you know, and... It was it was it was just it was great. He, we enjoyed dinner, and then there was some speeches, and he stood up and he spoke for fifty minutes, and he spoke about the values of golf, values that it instills in young people, uh, history and tradition, and then he told a story about him and. Uh, Mr. Palmer, and I think it was Jerry Payton, someone who were playing in an open at Muirfield. And I'll not go into details because it was, but it was quite a story. And then he, uh, he, he just, you could see that he, he had an empathy with the place. And we presented him one of these books. And he, he said, oh, that'll be reading material and whatever. So, uh, and he shook everybody's hand and went away. And, and that was great. And he's been due to be over here and with COVID and stuff, it's not happening. But uh, when I took up my captaincy, I wrote a letter to him to see if he's coming for the Open and whatever. And we've had some exchanges. So um, I'm pretty sure Mr. Watson will be in the club uh, quite soon. Oh, and 
Uh, we're, we're speaking to these people about that just now, so uh, it's it's. But but that that's that's golf, and yeah. uh, I know he enjoys this town, uh, and hopefully, we'll and he see loves. And 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 from many stories I've heard, uh, he just loves the game. He just yeah. he truly is a lover and appreciator of the game, and he would he's one of those pros who uh, would play whether there's you know a claret jug on the line or or nothing at all because he truly enjoys playing. And yeah. I hope I hope his tempo rubbed off on you, Ronnie. He's got one of the best <laughs> tempos in the game of golf. Matt, Matt, you've obviously never seen my my golf swing. Uh, Not yet. <laughs> I, I, I think I think uh, my playing partners would say it's probably quite unique, uh, and I suppose what one of my funny stories was in in 2010 uh, when the Open was at St Andrews. I had the good fortune to be invited to play in a tournament where it was a sort of Ryder Cup event for for guys and. For the European team, Sam Torrance was the captain. And for the American team, uh, Tom Lehman was the captain. And we played that up at the Fairmont and we had a good day. And uh, before we went out to play, John, Mr. John Daly came to do a golf clinic. And uh, it's a cue. We're all hitting the ball and whatever. And when Daly came over to speak to me, he asked me if I was taking the piss. I said, what do you mean? I have a very, I have a very long swing, Matt. And I think he thought uh, I was... It was an I ode. Was, it was an ode to him, he thought. Yeah. Oh, this I, is a, what, a, what a sweet compliment. He's impersonated my swing. Well, you so, must be flexible then, Ronnie. That's a, that's I'm, not an I'm, easy place to I'm get to. I'm quite flexible for a big guy. And uh, <laughs> the, the other thing the guys say here is, I've shortened my swing since I broke my left ankle with a club head. So... Uh, it's, it's one of these things. So I, I take a bit of it but I can get it round. I get it round. So it's fine. Uh, well, Ronnie, you, you've shared so much about the club that I think I our, our audience, our listeners, our members would get a sense of the culture of the club. But I'm, yeah. I'm, cur- I'm curious how you would describe the culture of the new golf club. And um, additionally, you've, you've traveled a good bit. And yeah. I'm, I'd love to know if you've felt that type of experience elsewhere uh, whether it be a club in the United States or or anywhere else uh, I think to understand the culture it would be good to explain the makeup of the club so in our rules that were written all these years ago we have a constitutional limit of 2,000 members right so we're a 2,000 member club and today we are sitting at 1,978 members so we're pretty full. Uh, there are generally three categories that we talk about. So we've got town members, which are people in the town and within 15 miles. And we have about 780 of them. Don't do the math, Matt. I'm just giving you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we've got 780 of them. We then have uh, country members, which is in the UK. So it's out with, out with the the 15 miles, but within the UK. And we, over the past number of years, have had a massive influx in that membership because, one, they want to be associated with the new golf club. Through here in St Andrews, it's three, six, well, three, six, four days a year golfing uh, because of the weather conditions, whatever. And 
it's a good price point. So, so we as a club decided that we would cap that sort of country membership within the UK at six fifty, and then we started a waiting list, and we've got one hundred and twenty in the waiting list, and we decided we're you can't even go on the waiting list now because we have an attrition rate of about nine a year. So if you're on the waiting list, you're going to be there for a while. And then, then we have the international members. And to be fair, up until 10 years ago, there weren't that many international members. And we felt we needed that dynamic in the, or the, 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 the committee of the day uh, felt that it would be good to have that dynamic in the club. And uh, we, we introduced something and it still goes on just now. We have International Fellowship Week every year, which is normally the week of the Open, but when it's in St Andrews, International Fellowship Week this year will be the first week in August. And we set that up for our international members to bring a couple of friends over and they participated in golf and there was three trophies and it was predominantly the visitors against the members here and and over the piece between that between a number of us traveling and knowing a number of international people and connecting we we're i think we're just up under uh, just 500 now international members uh, and the thing that i would stress uh, and we stress it here, you don't apply to be a member of this golf club, you are nominated to be a member of this golf club. And that's a subtle, that's a subtlety that shouldn't be lost in people. Uh, because it's important that your proposal and your seconder has a good understanding of you, has a knowledge of you, you've and your aims are really to enjoy the game of golf the way we enjoy the game of golf. So yeah. we've got that. We've got a big junior section uh, that is probably reinventing itself. We've got a lot of younger kids coming through. Uh, and we get a lot of support from the members for the juniors. We get funding. I think it's something called the Japanese Golf Foundation. And they donate money every year because they'd come to the club and had a good time. So we get an annual from them. We get money from the Thistle Club, who they, they don't have any premises, so they'll always send check, members send check. So the, the juniors, we've got a good programme of developing them, and junior golf in St Andrews is quite strong, so we've got that. And then we've got something called a house membership, an associate membership, and that is for some guys who don't golf, but they like the atmosphere and ambiance of the club. And uh, ladies can be associate members. So like, a lot of guys' wives are associate members, so they can come in and enjoy a coffee or a glass of wine and uh, while they're waiting on us sort of thing. So so it's, so it's you need to understand that that's it uh, in terms of that's the way the membership's made up. I would say we are a more incoming club insofar as we've got 770 St Andrews members, but not all these people will be born and brought up in St Andrews, so we'll have a lot of... I originally came from the west coast of Scotland, just up from Ayrshire, 
Uh, but if you live in the west coast of Scotland and you get 140 days of continuous rain uh, and you come to the east coast and it's not quite as wet, I think you can enjoy life a bit better. But uh, I still love the west coast. But uh, so it's there's a lot there's a number of incomers. Uh, there's a lot of people through the university have come. There's a lot of people who have come to university here and be the international, local country. They they want to keep their association with the club because they enjoyed themselves when they were here. Uh, yeah. And I think if you've come to the club, you've participated, uh, and you've embraced what we're about, I think you will, I think you will want to be a member here forever. Uh, I, I certainly was that case and yeah. it, it was that experience and that's thank you for sharing that uh, breakdown for for membership because I think many uh, Americans that have not traveled and when they when they do make their uh, pilgrimage if you will to the old course or um, any number of, of links courses throughout the UK and and even Ireland uh, they they may hear about uh, club, structures and memberships and think, well, why is it costing so much for me to be a member of my home club? And I think we might not have that full context of how that's structured, you know, having 2000 members um, yeah. is, is a bit different than a club that has a limit of, of 500, which is uh, more, more common for some clubs here. But what, what, what do you and, think? And I, think I think an important thing, Matt, is we don't operate a golf course. You know, exactly. If you're golfing here, you've got a Lynx ticket and your contract for golf is with St. Andrew's Lynx Trust. So if you want to oversimplify it, we we could be classed as a hospitality venue. Sure. Yeah. No, and, and it's just a different uh, a different way of doing things. And then and then yeah. it gets to the shared nature of all the clubs on that golf course, which obviously the, the Lynx Trust is then responsible for the management of the actual course. Yeah. Do you think the uh, one thing I want to ask you about, I saw recently, I believe the old course rates went up quite a bit. Uh, yeah. And, and I, I don't believe they have in a few years, but I think it was about 80, 38% um, increase from the time that I was last looking at it when we yeah. made our trip three years ago, uh, that finally it will be happening. What, what, what are your thoughts on, because, because we make a lot of uh, many, many guests on this podcast have talked about the difference between you know, where the game was and, and kind of reasonable green fees and keeping, you know, maintenance practices more simple and being okay with brown turf and, um, and just bringing the cost of golf down. I think that's, that's a big, big discussion point right now, especially with, uh, so much of the inflation and, and things that are hitting here, um, mm -hmm. is, is, is it what we think it is that there, that, because in my, what I've kind of started to see is actually, uh, Scotland, Ireland, a lot of the rates are uh, up to the norm of what, you know, you want to play uh, Bally Bunyan or you want to play Royal Dornock. I, I see those rates actually very similar to many of the places here. Of course, there's the accessibility piece that's very, very different. But I, I just wanted to get your take is, is where you sit on the uh, the cost structure of the game. And is it is it really as drastically different on your side of the pond as, as we think it is? I, I, th I think the cost structure... I think you, you made the point, you need to understand the dynamics of what's happening here. So for me as a local, I pay £280 to be a member of this golf club and I pay £300 odd for my Lynx ticket. 
that gives me unlimited golf on seven courses for the year. And I'll play on the links 80 rounds of golf. So for me, the price structure is I'm paying five pounds a round. So it is drastically different. <laughs> so, so, however, the answer however, is yes. <laughs> and, 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 the, and the interesting point, another club that I'm a member of is Crail, right? And that's the seventh oldest club in the world. And a number of years ago, they, they it's a wonderful course, Balcomi Links, but they weren't getting visitors and they brought in a marketing company and they said it's quite clear that if you're charging £45 a round, people don't think it's worth a visit. And they went to 85 and they got, I think, five or six times the visitors. So there's that price point. And then we'll look at the price point in the area. So if you go to King's Barnes, I think you'll pay 375 this year. Or you'll go to a new course that's just opened in Barney, which is really nice, really nice. And you'll pay high-end number. And all of the other open courses, be it Trune, whatever, whatever, were at the, a number beginning with three. And the old courses stayed the same for so long, and they went to 270. So the percentage, I think, I think where other people went up gradually, gradually, I think they were getting to themselves a price point. But again, if you are a member of Scottish Golf, there are discounts available and what so it's if if I cut if I I mean you've said I do travel a bit and play a bit uh, in the States and I think for the old course compared to some of the courses you play in the state pay to play in the States, uh, you've got the history tradition for under four under three fifty bucks. And what do you get for three fifty bucks in some of these? Uh, you know, it, so uh, yeah. no, it's, it, it's a great. It, it, it's a and I, and I think you know if you want to go to Pebble and stay two nights and do that, it, it's 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 a lot yeah. for two seventy. I don't think the old course is hitting you. No, no, and and it it certainly hasn't met its demand. I mean, if if true supply and demand were the factor here, we wouldn't be. It it would be in the thousands because I mean, who yeah. doesn't want to play? the old course um it's yeah. it's that well thank you for just it's something i've i've thought often about and and just pay pay attention to doing what i've done but yeah. uh the other piece that i wanted to ask you is just kind of you hear a professional golfers comments on it all the time that um man when we're overseas for the open or uh when we're in scotland everyone just appreciates good golf they appreciate good golf shots and they don't you know they don't always clap for a mediocre shot or hoot and holler like so many of our fans might um and and i think that goes beyond just golf shots i think i've always felt this sense of uh deep connection and appreciation with golf uh in the roots of of scotland obviously being the home home of the game um Where, where do you think that stems from and how, how do you think we can get more of it? I, I am, am I, I think one of the, the big uh, motivators for what we're doing at New Club is to uncover that because I, I feel that so many of us um, have maybe didn't enjoy our golf as much because we took so much for granted 
perhaps. Uh, it were kind of built on that structure, I think, in a lot of ways. But I always got the sense that whether I was sitting at the, the new golf club or I um, was was traveling around the country and playing golf courses and, and seeing how people in, in, interact with staff. How you interact with superintendents, how you interact with caddies, and everyone just understands that this wouldn't be possible without the contributions of many. And um, I wanted to know where that comes from, and and how we can more get more of that here. I I think I think it really does start at grassroots, uh, where in most areas people can access a public golf course. So. And may in many of the districts, actually golf will be part of the sports curriculum. So if you're playing baseball, American football, whatever, we're playing soccer, maybe golf, whatever. So so every by the by the age of seven or eight, everybody's had a try, right? Everybody's got that's maybe a generalization. Most people will have a father, a grandfather, a mother an uncle, a brother who has tried golf, has played golf, whatever. So, and and the price point entry level means that it, basically MD can get in and try. Eh? And and I think, I think because of that, people who come and watch golf, who either play golf, who have tried golf, understand that it's not easy. And and I, I think that potentially, and I don't know, maybe controversial, I think potentially the US golf audience is at a tournament for maybe a social day out. I don't sure. know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it's a different experience possibly than people coming here to look at the game of golf, appreciate the shots. And 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 a big thing, one one of the one of the greatest things is when you see uh, a competition on television and you've played that course. So you you've played the old course and you look at that setting green and you think, oh, there's not much there. And then you you've played it and you think, holy magoli, that's yeah. You know you know that mound at the front and whatever whatever. And and to be fair, it's the same if you go to Augusta National or any of these places where oh that just looks flat and it's not so so television can maybe over oversimplify what a golf course looks like as well uh, and so if 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 you ask my view I think there's probably a, a wider appreciation maybe because people have tried and realised it's it's harder than it looks yeah. Well, I, here's another I'd love your your opinion on because you grew up in. Air, uh, Ayrshire or Glasgow? Well, and, uh, well no, it, it was an it was Renfrewshire, uh, just just a town called Gourock, uh, which is twenty five miles down the coast from uh, Glasgow. So th- th- that's where where you grew up on that side of the on yeah. the west coast. You you uh, now live on the east coast and spend yeah. your time at the new golf club in St Andrews. You yeah. are also a member of Royal Dornock up in the Highlands. So yeah. my question is. How do you divide your time? What is the best Lynx Golf Coast in Scotland? Controversial question. And I'm missing a few. I'm missing a few, but I just started with those three. I, those I, three. I, I mean, I mean, for me, uh, 
born and brought up in the Gourock Greenock area. Uh, I had a couple of periods in the US. Uh, my father worked for IBM, so we had a couple of years up in Rochester, and then we had a couple of years down in Raleigh in North Carolina. I went, I went to elementary school in North Carolina, uh, Carey Elementary School, and then we come back here. And uh, so to answer your question, one area that you've not mentioned is East Lothian, and there's there's a lot there's a lot of good golf down there. If you go around that coast, where you've got your Gullins, your North Berwick, you've got Muirfield. Uh, that I mean, they all offer something different. Uh, for me, I mean, I, I I love St Andrews, but I enjoy getting out and playing at Crail. There's a few hidden gems around the corner down at London Links, leaving Links. Uh, there's some more inland, like Ladybank and, th you know, so so there, there's a range of golf courses here uh, that can whet the appetite. And you've got the high end at Kings Barnes and Dunbarney. Uh, Dornoch, we, we had a trip up in Dornoch, my friend John Beatty and myself uh, in October. And we played in an event in Dornoch and we played a course called Goldsby. Uh, and Goldsby and Brora. And and that's the first time I'd played Goldsby. And it was absolutely fantastic because it had six links holes, six Parkland, six Moorland. And and it, that that combination was nice. And then you got to Brora where the fences round it to keep the sheep and the horses off. And that's what they say, how do you know a Brora member when he steps on a green, he lifts his leg and things like that. So, <laughs> so it's, uh, and you're getting nairn and all that up there. So it, it, it's difficult, it's difficult to say, but I have to say for me, it would have to be St. Andrews. It, there's, um, I, I haven't done East Lothian yet. So I'm looking forward to that on a little prelude to our, our trip, but Man, is it challenging for anyone who's ever had to schedule uh, a, a group trip to the homeland yeah. of golf. It, you, you just, every course you select, you see one right next door that you say, wow, you know, can we squeeze that one in? Can we squeeze that one in? And we, we're doing a 10 or 11 day trip and playing nine plus rounds of golf, but it feels like I'm leaving you know, 10 to 20 uh, on the, yeah, it's just so hard. I think, I mean, I think, as, you, as you're driving up, Royal Royal Aberdeen is absolutely one. I've only played Royal Aberdeen about four times, five times, but it's absolutely stunning. And the guys up there make you really, really welcome. Cruden Bay is a must play, must play. Uh, but there's courses like Murka. Uh, as you come down that coast, there's, there's a course at Montrose, which is a real, real great course and that and that could go in the next five years there's a few holes that are going to possibly fall into the water so there's some courses you need to get playing before they disappear in their current format uh, and that and that the links trust are looking at it here the potential environmental damage uh, climate change and water coming up and and sort of trying to future proof what we've got here in the links yeah, it's, uh, there was an article written by Tom Coyne, who traveled, you know, did uh, the book, a course called Scotland, Ireland. And uh, yeah. he wrote about that. He wrote about the receding tides um, or erosion of the coastline. And 
Very real, you know, very, um, oh, you, you see it in front you of see, you. You see it. You, you, I mean, well, you've got all that around the coastline. You've got some some of these wee islands. Uh, I went out with some pals last year to Mathry, uh, which was absolutely stunning uh, on Ailey. And that had been re that had been remodelled by David, uh, DJ Russell, who was a Ryder Cup player. And he he was on the property that weekend, and I had played it twenty eight years previous, and that was me going back, and and it was it was real interesting to see what he had done and how sympathetically he had done it, and 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 this is where in Scotland uh, we we can fly out to the island from Glasgow to Isla, it takes thirty minutes in a small uh, scheduled Logan Air. 22 seater and you can play your golf and then you can fly back at night and have a few early mocks so it's uh, you know it's it's accessible but that there's there's such there's such a variation of golf i mean you can get down to macrahani show these but there's there's so much so much well that's that's how i intend i intend to see all these places ronnie i do I, yeah. i'm not in any hurry but uh it's part of my joining the new golf club was to uh, to have a, a home base and um, let these places inspire us. I, is there any golf in the states? Because I know you've you've lived here, you've traveled here. Uh, what are some of your favorite golf courses in the states? That are are you are you one of the, are you I, you play so many great links golf courses, and we have yeah. fewer, of course. But is is the golf when you come here? Is it just so starkly different that it's kind of a treat? Or how, how do you kind of view our golf compared to what you play on a regular basis? I, I mean, I, I I think the golf in the states is amazing. Predominantly, I've I've just I've played in California and I've played in Atlanta and South Carolina and stuff like that. So, uh, in in California, uh, we've got family there, and and we've got a lot we've got a lot of members there. So I'm I'm going to I'm going to be there in uh, end of March, beginning of April, and a few guys have reached out. So. Uh, Played some good. I'd say a hidden gem that I found in California uh, was a course called Sandpaper. Sandpaper with views of all, the uh, uh, Pacific Ocean, correct? Yeah, yeah. Uh, views of Pacific Ocean, and we were we were driving we were driving up from San Diego to San Francisco, and pulled. I, I mean, I, I find it difficult to drive past a golf course, so Sandpaper was sitting there, and we thought, right, we'll go in, and then. Okay, we'll stay. We'll maybe stay local. I think it was San Luis Obispo or so. Whatever. Can't. So anyway, we the professional organised a game, and I get out with uh, some guys there, and it, it was absolutely mind blowing. It was it was really really nice to have not a named course. Uh, so that that was good. Uh, this trip, I'm, I've. Get an invite to play up at Monterey Peninsula with a member called David Cluckman eh, and a couple other places on the way up. And then eh, I've played in the desert. When I played in Palm Desert, a, a course called Stone Eagle. Eh, and that's it's quite dramatic mm -hmm. in terms of the landscape and whatever. It's eh, quite a modern course. Yeah. Uh, played Torrey Pines both with 
a member here called David Spinelli. He stays in San Diego and uh, he, he's he's taken me down there. Uh, Atlanta is classic golf, so I've been very fortunate to play at Peachtree, uh, at Atlanta Athletic Club. Uh, and and we went we went to quite a, a different experience. We went down to a course called Sage Valley. Yeah. And, and and that was that was an experience. Uh, Our and, members were just there uh, last weekend, actually. Yeah, and they all well, raved about it. I, I, and I don't want to be overly crude, but I hope none of them had the chili dog at the turn because that could be a bit of hassle. <laughs> uh, so and 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 to be fair, the guys that win Sage Valley are members of the new club. Yeah. So, oh, are they really? Okay, interesting. So, uh, so. So all, all of that, and then down Harbour Town Way and Sea Island, and that, they're all they're all great courses. I mean, you know, as as you're as you're going through this list, it's interesting because I, I, all these places are magical and, and just just great golf experiences. And when you get to St Andrews, at least I felt this way. I almost understood everything else better. Everywhere else I had been prior, which was a, quite a few places in my young golfing life. But uh, yeah. St. Andrews was later on and you kind of go, huh, this makes sense. And, and I'll give you an example. That's why they do it there. That's why they do it. You know, exactly. Because a lot, I mean, a lot of the pros, a lot of the directors of golf will have come at some point from Scott. Some of these histories and traditions will have come from possibly this area. And, and I think... I think it's almost like uh, someone who discovers their ancestry and, and now they understand, you know, the food that you eat. Uh, if you're a golfer from any walk of life, if you're a golfer and you get to St. Andrews, you almost understand yourself more uh, that what it means to be a golfer, because this is the traditions and everything where it started. Um, I'm just so excited, Ronnie, to, to, to be with you. I know we're, we're coming up on the, the I don't want to take more of your time, but I have one last thing for you. Yeah. We do it. We do it with every one of our guests. It's a questionnaire we call the 19th soul. It's uh, 18 questions to discover the soul of the golfer. I have adapted 35 questions from Marcel Proust, uh, the, Fr the French novelist and one of the most influential authors of the 20th century. His questions were trying to get to the truest nature of a person. Our questions, Ronnie, they're looking to get to the soul of the golfer. So, okay. Captain Denny, are you ready? I'm ready. Number one, when and where were you the happiest as a golfer? I think, looking back, the very first time I played the old course thirty years ago, that that was just an that was just I never thought it would ever happen, and it did. Number two, what is the scariest shot in golf? The scariest golfing the the scariest shot in golf has changed over the years for me because I. <laughs> I think some of the pitches that you used to have to play and now I can put from 65 yards and get it up there. So the, 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 scary, the scariest shot in golf is your 18th uh, hole tee shot when you've got a phenomenal score going and you just need to hit through it and have confidence and uh, think, I can do this. Great answer. This one may not apply because I know that you guys are more all the way out and all the way back in on most of your yeah. courses, but uh, a go-to order at the halfway house or the turn. Uh, I'd mentioned the chili dog at Sage Valley, not to have that. <laughs> I would have at the, ha at the halfway house, 
on the old course, I would have a cup of soup and a sausage roll. Look forward to those. And I Number don't know if you guys know what a sausage roll is. Uh, I, people can use their imaginations. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but they're delightful. Pastry, they're delicious. Pastry, pastry, sausage, the whole thing. Some, I can't. Some ketchup, maybe sometimes. Filling, filling. Or your version of probably our hot dog. If you, if yeah. most people hot dog, bratwurst, that's our kind of go-to. Number four, what is the trait you most deplore in your own golf game? I think at times I don't apply myself enough and I don't practice enough. Sponsor of this podcast, Golf Blueprint. There's their, their shout out today. Number five, what is the trait you most deplore in other golfers? I think uncourteous behavior on the course and not being aware of other people having their game and doing things and throwing throwing clubs. No, 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 no. Number six, what is the quality you most look for in a playing partner? I think I'm looking for conversation. That's that social aspect of it. And sort of helping each other around and, and finding it. You're, you're committing four hours to somebody. Uh, so uh, you you, you want to come off and know somebody a bit better and be able to enjoy a, a drama with them. So, no. no. Number, number seven, what words or phrases do you most overuse on the golf course? Never up, never in. Never up, never in. Oh, that's a good one. That should be a T-shirt now that you say yeah. that. <laughs> never up, never in. Number eight, what golfing talent would you most want to have? I would want a better swing. <laughs> I can't wait to see this swing, Ronnie. I think, as my uncle likes to say sometimes about his own golf swing, uh, it's it's a, only a mother can love his golf swing, is what he says. <laughs> uh, number nine, what is your most treasured golf possession? I have kept an original putter, a ping answer to uh, that I had many, many years ago that uh, when I was golfing at Gurok, that the pro put a piece of lead on the back just to make it a bit heavier that is not, well, I use a Scotty Cameron mallet now, but I, I've I've had that putter, I don't know, 45 years. I have a, I have a ping answer. I got a ping answer too in my garage as well that I yeah. uh, adore, but it I have no lead tape on tape on it. It was it's so light compared to our yeah. putters today. Yeah. So making the turn number ten. What's the one thing in your golf bag you should throw out? Well, probably probably a couple of old bananas. <laughs> <laughs> have, have you heard this? The story Bruce Lips, Lipsky. Have you ever heard the Bruce Lipsky story? Oh, so no, he, that. A quick interjection to the 19th soul. He was um, notorious for never practicing. And, uh, you know, he was one of the best golfers through the late 80s and early 90s. And um, he hung up his bag at the end of the year after the PGA Championship and uh, let it sit in the garage. And then he's, you know, playing in the Tournament of Champions in Kapalua and uh, he gets out there and his caddy gets his bag out on the range, day of the practice round, and he's, oh, what is that smell? He had 
two bananas and a sandwich in there for five <laughs> months, which which confirmed to everybody this man truly doesn't practice. <laughs> well, I don't know. If a lot of guys, you'll go out and your wife will hand you a banana and something and and you're wanting a sausage roll and a soup. So it's uh, one of these things. They stay in the bag. Number 11. What is your favorite job or occupation at the golf course or in golf? I, I do love golf administration. I love forward planning. And I'm a bit of a perfectionist. So I just, I just like setting pretty high standards. Yeah. Number 12, have you ever asked another golfer for their autograph? If so, who? Never. Apart from on a scorecard. Apart from attestations, right? Yeah. yeah. Number 13, what historical golf figure do you most relate to? I, I think, I, I mean, I, I absolutely love Seve. I think if if you're European, uh, you can you can really go with Seve and he he was a man of the, he was a man of the people and there's various stories about him but he it just seemed he just he never gave up he, he kept it going every time and he, I, I I just think he, he he enjoyed the game there's so the one thing that frustrates me now and there's such talent out there but and it's on the European tour and and the US tour they're grey characters. Yeah, they've, they've come through that production line of collegiate golf and whatever, and and, may, and maybe that's what you need to be. Maybe you need to be conformist or whatever. But a lot of them are quite beige. Sevy was not beige. <laughs> uh, number fourteen. Do you have any golf regrets? Any greatest golf regret? Golf regrets. I. I'm not a sort of person that looks back. I'm I'm a look forward person. Golf regrets. I I would I think I would have liked to have had better coaching at a younger age and taken that on board. And I think if there's if there's one thing you can do for your kids or if you're a young golfer is get the basics in right right at the start because if if you ingrain bad habits for four or five years, you'll never get it out. You'll never yeah. get it. Yeah. Number 15, what is your favorite golf book or movie? I'm a tin cup guy. Have <laughs> you had a tin cup moment? Have you rinsed, just stubbornly keep dropping them in the water? Eh, uh, not, not to that extent, but I've played, I've played with some people of tin cup moments and it's, it, I mean that that whole that whole meltdown. You think, holy my golly, what's that about? But but I I think a, a tin cup, I think tin cup is a not not a bad thing. Not a bad very thing. underrated movie. I agree. Uh, number sixteen. One song. If you if I don't know if you listen to music. A lot of people don't in Scotland because the wind's blowing so much. You can't hear it anyways. No, <laughs> but if I'll, if you had to listen I'll, to one song on the golf course for the rest of your life, what would it be? I would absolutely ban anyone listening to music. And I couldn't believe it. Last time I was in California and everybody's got headsets and stuff and buggies and you think, we're here to play golf and talk. <laughs> so I, I would not, 
I genuinely would not allow music on the golf course. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's been a, a very controversial thing at many clubs, many, many, yeah. many, many clubs, maybe high, high name clubs that people recognize. They've, yeah. they've struggled to determine what they're going to do. But I, I think it's, it's, if it's a background thing for me personally, if it's a background thing and it's, it's quiet, it doesn't extend beyond your, your, your group. Um, I could be okay with it, but I'm, I'm mostly with you. A traditionalist have, have a chat, enjoy the game, listen yeah. to the birds, you know? Yeah. So no song, but if you had to let's say, if there was a song you had to listen to on the way to the golf course, uh, what would it be? I mean, I, I like, a, I like a range of music. Actually, uh, and I don't know if it's an age thing. I've 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 started listening to a wee bit of country music, uh, which is a bit weird. But uh, <laughs> saw some in Vegas and thought, right, I'll we'll go with that. Uh, I mean, I just now just to relax, and I would probably listen to some Ed Sheeran or something like that. Just easy listening. Yeah, uh, easy listening. Easy listening. Chilling down. Ready to go. Now this this is uh, a new addition to the nineteen soap questionnaire. It's a bit more philosophical. But if you were to die and to come back as any golfer or golf thing, what yeah. do you think it would be? I think philosophically, but with a slight piece of humour, I would want to be a rake in shell bunker on the seventh on the old course. Seventh on the old course. You'll have to so describe it for me. So you've got you've got your tee shot, and if you're if the wind's behind you're hitting it good, you can go into shell, which is a net. It's about a seventy yard fronted, revetted front bunker shaped like a big uh, uh, scallop shell. So uh, and and it's and it's interesting. The reason I say that, uh, and it, it is illegal to put ashes into bunkers on the links, but the number of people I know that I've got friends and relatives in that bunker and I've, it would just tidy them up every time. <laughs> That's a great answer, Ronnie. And our last question, number 18, if you had a motto, maybe you do, what would it be? I, I would be known as a glass half full, always looking forward guy. Uh, and for me, it, you're, you're, We've got so many opportunities in in this town and life and golf to really make things good. And and I think uh, let's not sweat the small stuff and make sure that make sure uh, we understand the history and traditions of this game, but put a modern modern slant on it. That's that's wonderful, Ronnie. And uh I, I can you tell us is is retiring and spending your days in St. Andrews as wonderful and mad and, and special as we all dream it to be? I can't wait to have retired. Uh, yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, we, we've got a lot. This is a bit, this is a big, it's, I'm not going to call it a job or a task. This is a big privilege, but for me, carrying out this privilege can be 40, 50 hours a week because I want to fulfill every commitment. I want to support everything, be it the juniors, be it various teams. On on Tuesday night, we hosted the Scottish Golf Club Managers Association annual general meeting, and I wanted to come in and welcome people and all that. So I think, and, and people do it different, but personally, I, I, want, I, I don't want to leave anything out there for me personally or for the club uh, in this 
important year. Uh, so when when I when I take it a bit easier next year, uh, I don't know. I I might not enjoy that. I might not enjoy that. I, I I can tell you, you're you're a man who doesn't leave much grass under his feet, and uh, it it was it's truly really a privilege to uh, to chat with you for for this time, Ronnie. Yeah. And I I uh, appreciate the time you've given me before this, but um, I think your your care and passion for the game of golf is is very evident. And and just wanted to thank you for what you're doing as a captain of the new golf club, and um, and just thank you for being with us today. Okay, well, I thought because we're in Scotland, Matt, I thought I've got a new golf club's whiskey glass. I've got a bottle of new golf club 12-year-old whiskey, and I'm just going to give you a toast. Please. Hey, where's uh, my glass? I feel like I need to... Well, I have something. do that. And I'll have a little drip of water. And oh, you, you, you add a little water to yours. That's three drops. Three drops releases the heat. Not uh, not frowned upon, right? That's that's a uh, frowned upon. Yeah. Not frowned upon. Uh, I think whiskey's to be enjoyed whatever way. But Matt, thank you very much. Cheers to cheers to everyone uh, on the podcast, and I look forward to seeing you in St Andrews. Cheers to you, Ronnie. We look forward to being there. Today's episode of The Backdrop was brought to you by our partners, Golf Blueprint, Journeyman Distillery, and this May's NV5 Invitational. The path to the PGA Tour runs through Glenview when the NV5 Invitational, presented by Old National Bank, returns to the Glen Club on May 26th through 29th. Watch the game's future stars compete in the Chicago area's only annual professional golf event. Admission is complimentary and all proceeds will help the Evans Scholars Foundation send youth caddies to college. Limited opportunities to volunteer or purchase upgraded fan experiences remain. Visit nv5invitational.com to secure your place today.